Hello, and welcome to Quest, a vineyard church where we experience life as friends with faith through encountering God, loving others, and making a difference in our community. If you're new, there will be information at the end of this podcast where you can plug into Quest in person or online. Now let's dive into this week's teaching. Amen. Good morning. For those of you who don't know me, my name is Todd Rose. And even though it may not sound like it, I was, uh, my parents were born and raised in, in Westerville. And I was born and raised in Westerville. And, and let's see, so Hubert Ridge, uh, Blendon Middle School, uh, Westerville South. I even go to Audubon University College. It was college when I was there, right? And now it's a university, praise God. Um, Bank One Corporation, right? And, and so, but in 19... 97, uh, I moved to a city called Saratov, Russia to be a missionary there. I've been there for 22 years ever since. And I'm one of those people that if I'm talking on the phone to somebody for a half hour from Louisiana, I'm going to be by you within 25 minutes, right? <laughs> and so I work with international students and Russians and somebody calls me the most confused person. I'm an American working in Russia with international students from Africa, India, and the Middle East. So, uh, yeah, my accent's a little mixed up. Usually, though, I mean, my dad was born on Cherry Bottom Road. Uh, uh, my mom was born on Cleveland Avenue. And they say, you cannot, you don't sound like you're my son. So, praise God. Uh, I do like it when I came here one time and, they, and somebody saw me and they said, oh, great, the Scottish guy's preaching today. So, so turn your Bibles to Second Kings chapter 6. Two really interesting, amazing things happened uh, in the last couple of weeks. First, uh, Ross asked me if I would share. And since I'm not usually in town, it was a, a great chance to do so. So it's a, it's a thrill to be here. And number two, uh, he decided that he and Wendy are going out of town. They're in Minnesota today. So it's like I get like free reign. Uh, so take your watches off. Turn the 35-minute shot clock off. Uh, yeah, there's no second servers behind me now. So... Um, <laughs> Yeah, right. Good job. Ross, Ross is on, Ross is on Facebook Live. I, oh, Jesus, help us. Praise God. Yeah. So, I, I, you know, but I, I, for the, since Ross has been here, he and I have become good friends. And what I know for sure is he's, he and his wife, they're both, they're good people. They're great people. And I know sometimes that, uh, that, that, uh, being a pastor is, is uh, it's hard. It really is sometimes. So if I can encourage you in some small way to think about something that you individually, your home group, your ministry that you can do to, to bless them, to love them, to, to encourage them. And in the, in, the, gosh, in the coming months, I think it'd be a real blessing to, to them. Amen. So turn to Second Kings. Before we get there, let me say that something a year and a half ago, 18 months ago, uh, really uh, changed my life. It really did. There was, I, I went to a, a Christian meeting with a, a famous pastor. I was invited to that meeting. And I really went into that, that service in, in so many ways, uh, maybe running from God. And I was, it was a real intersection moment in my life. Uh, I, I felt like God was calling me to do something that I, I really maybe didn't want to do. And I found myself, even though I was in ministry, I found myself kind of running from him or, or uh, looking for him to uh, answer a question in my life. Because I was really crying out to him and saying, God, uh, what can I do for you? What, God, what can I do for you? And, and at times, at that moment, I was kind of beaten down uh, with life and with the problems surrounding us. And I, I was kind of even crying out, God, what could I possibly do for you? And we'll come back to that, that story later on. Let's look at Second Kings chapter 6. We're starting in verse 24. Sometime later, 
Ben-Hadad, king of Aram, mobilized his entire army and marched up and laid siege to Samaria. There was a great famine in the city. The siege lasted so long that a donkey's head sold for 80 shekels of silver and a quarter of a, a cab of cedar pods for five shekels. As the king of Israel was passing by on the wall, a woman cried out to him, Help me, my lord, the king. And the king replied, If the Lord doesn't help you, where can I get help for you? From the threshing floor? From the wine press? Then he asked her, So what's the matter? She answered, This woman said to me, Give us your son today that we may eat him, and tomorrow then we'll eat my son. So we cooked up uh, my son and ate him. The next day I said, Okay, give us your son so we may eat him, but now she's hidden him. When the king heard the woman's words, he tore his robes and went along the wall. And the people looked and they saw that under his robes he had sackcloth on his body. And he said, May God deal with me, be it ever so severely, as the head of Elisha, son of Shaphat, remains on his shoulders today. Jumping ahead to chapter 7, Elisha replied when the king came to, to do that. Hear the word of the Lord. This is what the Lord says. About this time tomorrow, a sea of the finest flour will sell for a shekel. And, and two seas of barley for a shekel at the gate of Samaria. The officer on, on whose arm the king was leaning said to the man of God, Look, even if the Lord should open the floodgates of heaven, could this really happen? Elisha answered, You will see it with your own eyes, but you won't participate. You won't eat any of it. Amen? Listen, I, I mean, I don't know. I said amen. It was quiet. It's like, I mean, I work with... Uh, international students and you got it's a it's a raucous in there i mean the the africans in my suburbs so it's like you know um shows give signs of life somehow some way amen so, i got the lights i won't see it anyway right so but it's, i kind of got to hear it so in the first service say like, i want to really do share I, I i think god has put on, uh, on my heart to really share something significant uh, in your life and in my life today, three things that really jump out before. But the, in reading the scriptures uh, here, the, the first three words for me are like a signal from from the scripture. It says sometime later. So in order to understand chapter chapter six and seven, you got to understand what what took place before. And here, the king of Aram is uh, is attacking the king of Israel, the, the northern kingdom, the capital of Samaria. And but uh, the, his general at one time there, uh, he he has leprosy. And he, he's gone to the doctors. He can't get he can't get a healing in any way. He can't get relief. And he hears about Elisha the prophet. So he goes, and there's a, a miraculous healing. And God gets tremendous amount of glory through it. But even through that, sometime later, the king of Aram wants to come back and attack again. And every time he tries to attack, Elisha tells the king of Israel where the, where the armies are coming from. And so the king of Aram says, "I got a spy uh, in the land." No, you don't have a spy. It's just Elisha, he's so close to God. He's so connected to God. He's so full of faith that God tells him your every move. So he says, all right, now what we'll do. And so that we got to take out Elisha first and then we'll, we'll be set to take out Israel. And so they, they surround one of the great moments of the Bible. They surround the, the little village where Elisha lives and, and his, maybe he's drinking Starbucks coffee and reading the dispatch and, and his, 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 his helper goes outside and is walking the dogs. I mean, it has to be a dog. And in my family, we've got four of them. My wife is a vet. And if you don't like animals, you can't have a wife as a vet. I mean, we got, we have four dogs. She's babysitting two more while I'm gone. I mean, cause she knew that when I was there, that's not going to happen. But, um, uh, and so we have, we have four dogs, a cat, I don't know, 150 fish. Uh, right? we got, and we even have a bearded dragon in the house, if you can figure that out, right? So, um, she, if she's listening, I'm in trouble. But since I'm not going to be home for a month, I'm probably going to make it. Um, 
Uh, and so uh, uh, the, he comes running back in. He says, there's an army outside. We're probably, we're toast. We're dead. And Elijah's smiling. He says, he says, God, open his eyes that he'll see. And if probably if I get one thing to you today, it's this phrase. Elijah says, God, would you open his eyes and that he'd see that those that are for us are so much more, so many more than those who are against us. And in that moment, he sees it, chariots of fire, not the movie, uh, but the, the real life chariots of fire and the angels. And, but still, the army comes down the mountain and, and Elijah, perhaps when he gets close to test the faith of his, of his helper, he says, blind them. And it happens. And, and so he says, hey, I know the person you're looking for. Um, he's not here. Let me show you where he is. So he takes him to the, takes him to the capital city. And I got this picture that like they come in, they shut the gates. All the soldiers have spears, uh, from Israel. And uh, it says, give them back their sight and they can see and they can drop down the knee. I mean, that's the picture I got. And, and so the king comes. It's, we've, we've finally won this. Years have gone by. I'm looking, I've been looking for a way to, to win this war. God has delivered them into my hands. Elisha, should we kill him? And Elisha says, let's do it differently. And it looks to me like they have a feast. Because it says they, they ate and they drank and they sent him home. And so sometime later now, amazingly sometime later, all those soldiers have come back and they brought their uncle, their cousin, their grandpa, their grandma. I mean, well, maybe not the grandmas, but so they've all come and they've surrounded the, the city for, for a long time. In Russia, World War II is a huge historical moment i mean even society uh, is uh, there's so many th- aspects of russian society that are based on that and there's a, a just an amazing memorial set up for the blockade that went around leningrad and st petersburg during world war ii and uh, the the tragedy that took place there and, and here we have the same uh, here we have i mean to the point that there's cannibalism right and there's just death and and destruction and so point number one, there's just three things that I, I want to get across to you today. Uh, point number one is, is unbelief is a big deal. Unbelief is a big deal. I just, I look and I, I think if I put myself in this situation and I'm one of the lucky ones to still be alive, it'd be, a, it'd be quite hard to be a person of, of faith in, in, in that situation. Mothers cooking their sons, uh, surrounded for, for perhaps years. Unbelief is rampant, especially during difficult times, even amongst those people that are called to be the ones that bring salvation and bring provision. And I would say even bring embedderment to the, to the downtrodden of the people around. I mean, if you look, the very people that are supposed to be the ones that bring the answer, that bring the salvation, that bring God's kingdom in this situation are the ones so filled with, with unbelief. The king, how the, the woman, the woman comes and, and says, help me, O Lord, my king. And he says, are you serious? Are you looking around? Can't you see that, 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 that God is not even helping here? God is, he's, I mean, open your eyes. Where's God? He's abandoned us. He's left us. I mean, I'm doing the, the repentance thing inside. I'm, I'm, I don't know. Maybe I brought this on us. Maybe you brought this on us, but that God is not here. If, God, if God's not going to help you, we don't have any, there's nothing I can do for you. There's no bread, there's no wine. There, God's absent. What can I possibly do for you? Even worse, the official when Elisha does say, look, tomorrow it's over. I mean, I look for things in the scripture. Sometimes what's absent is more powerful than what's written. And when Elijah says, tomorrow it's over, tomorrow it's over. 
Carfania's ribeyes that go for 10 cents a pound and, and world, uh, world, what is it, world, uh, great harvest bread companies just going to give away their best bread. It's over. It's over. The, this, the struggle is over. And what I notice is, well, maybe you do too, where's the joy? Does anybody say, hallelujah, finally, we're ready. Finally, praise God, he's answered our prayers. There's nothing. Well, there is something. There's mocking. There's unbelief. The man says, how could, if, it, if the, the basement of heaven, if there was like a, you know, a little, you know, a little thing to pull off and just all the drain, I mean, all of heaven just drained down here. Could that, what you just said, ever even happen? There's no joy, just mockery and unbelief. But a cleansing of that unbelief is about to take place. The people's sins of unbelief had led them down their natural road that now they can't even see the, the, the concept that God is working, that God is alive, that God has a plan, that God had called the leaders, God had called his people to be the ones to bring about his salvation. It's going to happen 24 hours later and they still can't see it. But they will tomorrow, all but one. Number two. Uh, before I get there, I just I look at the cause of, of unbelief in, in Russia. You get uh, what causes unbelief in, in, in Christians? It's it's obvious. It really is. Uh, a, a good salary in my town would be you know three hundred would be a, a decent, but five hundred you're, you're 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 raking in the cash if you if you have a salary of about five hundred dollars a month. And and because Russia is such a a top down society, I turn your phones off just so, so I don't get in trouble. Um, everybody's listening all the time. Uh, uh, mine's in the hallway, so I'm good. Uh, but like, I mean, only the few people in Russia, the very top, I mean, not millionaires, but billionaires only, uh, and really probably just one, to be honest, uh, that only they really have the true say in what happens in society. So here you are, a worker, you're, you're making $500 a month. A, a rent for a halfway decent apartment is $500 a month, so figure that one out. Um, it's just, you've got no say in society. You're barely making ends meet. If you're a young couple, uh, yeah, I mean, good luck. Uh, the, if you don't have your own apartment, it's just going to be a struggle forever. And, uh, and, and it, it's easy for them to say, how in the world could God use me? How in the world can I even, uh, the, I, the concept doesn't even come into my, my mind where I, I look around and say, how can I be a blessing to the people around me? How can I bring, bring betterment? How can I bring salvation? How can I, the, I, the concept doesn't even pop into our minds. I hear, if you forgive me, I say maybe I think it's the, quite the opposite. Uh, here, it's, maybe you wouldn't agree with me, but, but I'd say maybe sometimes that we have, uh, we, we don't, need to perhaps rely on God so much for even us to get by day to day, Monday through Sunday. Uh, illustration, I remember Scott Mary is a close friend of mine from here from Quest and we went to Russia one time together and we're flying. And, and when we, when we got to the customs uh, agent at the uh, Moscow airport, we had a huge box of, of seeds, flower seeds that we we're going to give away like a, uh, you know, an ev- evangelist to give in, pass them out and say, God loves you. And we just want to show this in a practical way like we used to do in the old days. And we should keep doing it now, by the way. But, um, and so we get to, I got this huge box donated by this seed company. And we get to the customs agent. He says, oh, you're going to sell this. There's like, how many seeds here? And I said, 5,000. He said, oh, yeah, this is a business. You're going to sell them. So I need, uh, I need 10%. So if you're going to sell them for a, a dollar each, I need 500 bucks. And, and I said, nope, not going to do it. And I just stood there. 
and, and Scott starts to sweat. He's like, what, you know, what are we going to do? And I'm like, come on, just be strong. You know, just be a man of faith right now that everything's going to work out. And he's like, how? I mean, they want $500. I'm just, come on, where's your face, brother? Come on, be a man of faith right now. And so we're standing there. He said, I said, I'm not going to give $500. He said, how about $300? No, I'm going to do it. I'm not even going to give you $5. I just, and, and he said, give me something. And I said, ah, here's what I'll give you. And I kicked a box of seeds to him. And I said, look, you give it to all your little customs buddies. You can get all your, your, all your friends and family do. I mean, please, you be the one that gives it away, all 5,000. But every time you do it, you got to say, uh, I give these seeds to you because God loves you. And I, wanna get, uh, and I want you to have it because God blessed me with this. And, and, he's, and he kicks it back to me and he says, get out of here. You know, I knew he would. I mean, I just, I mean, I knew that that's what's going to happen because that's what always happens. And, and Scott looks at me and goes, you're a saint. I mean, you're just, you're, you're so full of faith. I mean, how'd you do that? I'm like, I mean, in Russia, there's no option. It's just like, you just need God all the time, every day, 24 uh, seven. And uh, so we do our, our missions thing and we come back and now we're flying back into the U.S., right? And it, it's maybe a little bit different here. It's that uh, God changes all of a sudden when you fly back to this time zone. And, and so... We, we come into we come into an airport. I forget which one, but it's a, a long way away from Columbus, and uh, we're tired. And there's a 16-hour train ride, and then the, you're eight hours in the airport, and then we're flying for nine hours, and we get stuck somewhere for something stupid that the airport always does. It seems like, and and it's their fault, absolutely their fault. They were wrong in this, and I just really think that God up in heaven is laughing, and, and He caused this because right? because it's like what they did was just illogical. I forget even what it was, and I'm like at the counter, like. <laughs> And Scott is looking over like, you know, I'm sweating now. And he's just sitting back, uh, kind of laughing. You hear where we're going here. And, and I'm like, but dude, you, you should give us a hotel and you're not. And we can't sleep. And, and, and Scott looks over and he goes, faith. <laughs> where? Where is it? And I just, I, we started laughing. And within 10 seconds, we're on the airplane to go home to Columbus. But it seems like it's quite possible. Maybe I hypothesize with you a little bit here. But it seems like maybe in this environment, if you disagree with me, I say buy a ticket, go somewhere to almost anywhere else in the world and see that this is the most blessed country in the world. Certainly compared to, I'm going to give 90%. I mean, I, mean, I just, you got to see how blessed, how provided we are, uh, provided for here by God that we are. And I think sometimes that, that causes us to not need God as much. And, and I think even here, wow, I can just guarantee you that the speed of life here is just so much faster than so many other places in the world where, where this idea of just work to, to provide for, you know, to provide for this picture that maybe somebody created for you, or you created for yourself, that that's what this, that's what life should be like to, and it's just all of a sudden the speed of life and the, and perhaps uh, the consumerism and the, and all the isms come in and it just even prevents you from even asking the question. God, what is it that you want to do around me? God, what is it that you want to do through me? And it becomes a killer to our faith so much that it, we don't even ask the questions of faith. And in Saratov, somebody would have said amen or hallelujah or put their hands up, but I get it. I'm all right. We're in Columbus, Ohio. It's all right. Oh, how I pray so much that God would rid us of our unbelief. If we will, we'll see the miracles of God. But if we don't, we won't even recognize them when they're 24 hours away. Hey, I'm at home. Instead of faith, we might even be 
the people who mock and say, that could never happen. See, number two, number one, unbelief is a big deal. Number two, unbelief is a big deal to God. And in fact, if you look through the scriptures, help me find, uh, do this as a little homework, if you will. Uh, find the, the, the things that bring the most amount of anger to God. The things that really stir him to action, emotional action, anger and wrath. I think number one is sin. But if you really look through it, you see that what really makes God angry is when, bear with me, when his believers act out in unbelief. Moses, I mean, he even said yes eventually, but like that whole little argument with God, I mean, he was walking on a fine line that even at one point, at one moment, God says he was so angry with Moses that he was ready to, to kill him. There's a guy here today, oh, excuse me, not today, but hey, a guy in the story today, don't be afraid, it's not you, but, <laughs> that he says, that could never happen. It's impossible. Even if you had the spigot, was opened up and it all came down. It's what you said is not going to happen. And for him, I just, I look at the, the magnificence of, the magnificence of God and, and see that he got to see it, to see that it could happen before he was trampled. Before he was walked over. Oh, the anger. Oh, the wrath. I think, oh, the, uh, the thinking in Russian. Oh, the pro, how it provokes. I was going to say provocation, but I knew that one, right? Uh, uh, how it provokes God to action because of our unbelief sometimes. A famous pastor once said, unbelief is Satan's firstborn child. If you could take murder and blasphemy and lust, adultery, fornication, everything that is vile, and unite them all into one, they wouldn't even come equal to the sin of unbelief. Because the cause of so much sin in life is based upon unbelief. Thousands of prayers have been strangled by unbelief. Unbelief is guilty of murder when a woman says, I won't be able to take care of this child and then ends her pregnancy. Unbelief prevents us from even making childlike prayers, wondering if God hears, listens, or cares. Unbelief tells the sinner, God can never forgive me. The backsliding Christian, I can never stop and come back. Many that should have been missionaries, pastors, preachers, became Jonah in the belly of a fish out of their unbelief. The truth is, he says, if you fill a giant with unbelief, he will become a dwarf before your very eyes. Oh, unbelief is a sin that brings about anger and strong reactions from the Lord. Psalm 78 says, They spoke against God, saying, Can God spread a table in the desert when Moses struck the wa- a rock and water came out and streams and flowed abundantly? But then they said, But can he also give us food? Can he supply meat for his people? And when the Lord heard them, he was very angry. His fire broke out against Jacob and his wrath rose against Israel, for they did not believe in God. Or trust in his deliverance. I asked the question to myself, to us today. Why does, what provokes God so much? How does unbelief provoke God to, to anger and wrath? I think the answer for, for me is simple. It's because the very people that have tasted the, the goodness of God. The very people that he counts on. To, to, to know him, to love him, and to be people of faith, and to know that, uh, to know that the eyes of the Lord go to and fro, looking for those, uh, for those that he can lift up and strengthen them, those that are dedicated to him, those that are, the, uh, that are called to be the answer, cause the situation to get worse because of their unbelief. 
No one said amen to that, but I get that too. I'm, I'm preaching to myself as much as I preach to you uh, today about unbelief because I found myself in, the, in, in kind of the same situation as the, as the guy that, uh, that the, king of, the king of Israel was leaning on. There, my story really kind of starts eight years back when my son Stephen was born, but intensively it comes about uh, two years ago. My son, uh, who's eight, he was born, uh, and at about, he was my first child that I just really decided I'm going to speak English from him, to him, uh, from the minute he's born. I wanted one child that could, like, speak English at the house and, like, give me, give me, uh, give me some support. And so I didn't do it with my other kids. So I'm like, uh, from very, day one, I only spoke English with him. So at about two and a half, my wife comes to me and says, I think something's wrong. And we, we saw tons of, developmental issues with my son and uh, I just said hey trust me it's, I messed him up uh, the, the whole English Russian thing uh, uh, you know all the books say that everything's going to be alright about three he's going to start speaking English and Russian together both and everything will be fine but at about three uh, your, the, your wife always knows she does and, and she comes she says we, we got to go to the doctor it's just it's not there and let's go so we went and uh and I could see it, but I didn't want to. And, and so we go to the doctor and had the worst, uh, how do you say that? I messed it up in the first diagnosis. Man, that is all of a sudden, I don't know why, but that is a hard word for me to say. We had the worst, di, di well, I one, two, three, diagnosis. Good. So we had that, wor- the worst meeting I've ever had with a doctor for so many reasons. And it, it, I mean, it, it totaled about seven minutes where I sat down with the pediatrician and then we went to a neurologist and, and because uh, Stevie, and that's just who he was back then, it's like he couldn't even focus on anything. He took him to a new setting and he's just, his eyes are everywhere looking at just everything around. And the doctor says, Stevie, look at me. And you know, he, he's looking at everything but her. And she says, oh my gosh, he's autistic. And immediately starts writing down. And what, I said, wait a minute, wait a minute. How'd you figure that out in like 44 seconds? And, and she said, well, I mean, and I know how now, but because I work with all my, almost all my students are, are doctors, our future doctors. And, and so uh, I asked them, how much training do you get in, in, in autism? And they said 15 minutes out of the six years that we're there. And, and, and all we know is here, here's the sign of autism and here's the drug that we give them. And the drug is called Holodol. And uh, you don't know about it because it's outlawed in 1980 in the United States except for extreme, extreme situations. And, and, but that's what they give and that's all they know. And, and so, and, and the lady said, and the two doctors that we met said, Hey, he, he's autistic and, um, uh, he take this drug. He'll be out of sight, out of mind. And that's just pretty much how it works in our world. And so get on the internet, find a way to, to do something to help him make a way. Maybe you'll find some uh, support groups in Saratov. Probably not, but you know, good luck. God bless you. See you next year. And we went home and, I got on the line and there's no way we're going to give our, our child that. And we, we were forced into a new world that we didn't want to be in. And, and the good thing about us is we can come home and kind of self-treat. I mean, I don't know if you know this, but every resource in terms of autism, it seems like it's like focused on Columbus, Ohio right now. And we'll, we'll talk about that in a second too. But um, I, I, some months later, I was invited to go to the Vineyard Missions Conference and speak about Russia in Colorado. And I went there. And, uh, and there was a prayer ministry at this. So I went there and there were two wonderful ladies. And I said, would you pray for me? Because uh, my life has been turned upside down. And I'm really trying to decide, should we come back to the U.S.? 
Uh, but because the, the main reason is that my son was recently diagnosed and maybe there's some signs that they're right. Maybe they're wrong. Would you please? I mean, I'm trying to get this in my head, but, but more than anything, I just want a, a God's healing in his life, right? But he's been diagnosed with autism. Would you pray? So they prayed, and I mean, it's an amazing prayer. Half hour goes by, and, and one of the ladies at the end says, says, you know, um, may I just, you know, maybe it's not autism, maybe it is, but I, I just want to say that maybe this happened uh, because God wants you to, to do something about it, to help those that are affected by autism where you are. And uh, you say, amen. What I said was, get behind me, Satan. I mean, uh, uh, <laughs> I really did. I mean, I looked at her and I said, you've now lost all credibility. That whole, that whole prayer thing was really nice. But now I know that that was not from God, right? I mean, like, I mean cause I'm, I got that picture of the spigot up in heaven and like, you'd open that baby up and all of heaven pours out. That's not going to happen. I just, that's not me. I mean, I got a degree in mathematics. I was a banker. I, uh, Old Testament, New Testament survey I can do. But 501, I, I mix them up. 501-3C, 501-C3. I, I mean, I still mess them up. And that's just, that's a different type of person. I want to preach the gospel. I want to plant churches. I want to send missionaries out. I just, that's just, that's just not me. That, that's not possible for you, God, to do that through me. And I went home and, and, and over time, as we're forced into this new world in Russia, my heart slowly, and I mean, I put the accent on the word slowly, uh, changes i i take we take our son to the i mean it's just the 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 classes that they provide in saratov it's it's super expensive and and it's like i mean a a centimeter more than than better than nothing and and so as we're as we're looking at the society and seeing the 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 increase in the in the number of children that are being affected by it and just the the this the the darkness that's around us, just the, 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 that it's, it's beyond ridiculous that there's zero in the modern world taking place for these kids and, and how they're just thrown away. It's slowly but surely God is, is, is breaking down. And I hear it, but I, I'm rejecting. I hear God saying, Todd, you're so, I mean, if not you, then who? And, and my answer is anybody. <laughs> and so <laughs> I'm kidding you not, a year goes by and and my wife and I, and my wife will even, so I mean, so I think we joke, it's like, who's worse on this one? Because she's like, you know, I got five kids, but to be honest, I really don't like kids very much, right? And so uh, you're saying, oh, and I'm in trouble in October 15th when I get back if she's online right now. But she was like, I love my kids, but it's like, I mean, I don't really like to be, that's just, that's not my ministry to be really around the other kids. And, and to really, she, I, I get it, you know, um, you know, love her to death. But she's like, I don't, this isn't ours. And little by little, we're sitting on an airplane and we, at one time we we're praying and we said, look, we just feel like God is saying to us that maybe we should do something about it. Maybe we should do something about this. Uh, God, would you confirm it in us? I don't know. We prayed, I don't know, six minutes before that, right? And then I see like an old missionary couple sitting on the, on the airplane. And this is all during the time where it was really the anti-extremism laws against American missionaries were like coming into effect. And I told Ross, like, you know, I called him up and I said, you know, at any moment you could see me in Columbus, deported from Russia, sent back for what I do. I mean, if I would preach in Russia and the wrong person was there, the law says that, you know, I could be sent home. And so, Ross, get ready to catch us if we fall. 
And, and so we come, we're on the plane and, and I see this, an older missionary couple there. We're obvious. It's just really funny. And so I go up to the, 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 the couple and I say, are you guys missionaries? And they, no, 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 <laughs> no, we're not missionaries. I'm like, no, no. I mean, I'm a missionary too. And I mean, they really were waiting like for five minutes for me to really give some Christian keywords that only us, only we know, right? And so, ooh, okay. Uh, you know, you know, there's no microphones on and, uh, I'm kidding. Everybody's listening. They really are. Right? And so I'm like, so what are you guys doing here? And they said, you know, we don't, we're not, we're not, uh, we're not doing missionary work like we were doing before. It's kind of hard. So what we did this time was we brought a, uh, we brought a professor from, from uh, the local university to come in and, and teach about autism uh, six minutes before. Right. And I said, really tell me about it. And, uh, and she said, yeah, we're in the big city that we're from, there's a, a big, the church has a lot of kids uh, with autism. So we came in and did a seminar. And I said, can I talk to your friend? And I walked back and, and I said, six minutes ago, I prayed about, about this. And, and you, God, you're already speaking. We get home and I went to, I'm like, God, you're going to have to, uh, you're going to have to convince me that this is what you want me to do. Right? And so I go to a friend of mine at his office and he, I walk in and, he looks at me just as strange as can be, and he says, God is all over you, and you've got a project. That, that You've got a project, and you've got to do it. You just have to do it. I mean, so tell me what it is. And I said, uh, I don't even know for sure how to put this into words, but I really do feel like I'm supposed to do something to not just help materially the kids in Saratov affected by autism in, in Russia, but, but to help them in education and help them in... And, and, and even the doctors to be better trained. And I don't even know how, why, or what, but I guess that's what I'm getting, the signal I'm getting. And he walks away, and I'm, and I'm thinking, yeah, that's what I would probably do too, right? And, and, and so he comes back, and he gives me a big check, and he says, I want to be the first person to sew into this. It's God. you got to do it. And I kid you not, I took the check, and, and I walked, and I'm like, God, you, you're going to have to really convince me that this is what we're supposed to do. Because, I mean, I've I got to be honest with you, really please i mean church planting amen hallelujah i mean send, uh, russian missionary sending them out come on yeah, yeah all right preach it yeah but this please are you sure so i go to a home group kitchen not an hour later for, from guys from this church and and i walk in and no and i've been doing this for 20 years and no one ever says this i mean i go to a home group and everybody's afraid that i'm gonna ask for money which is really kind of funny right and so the missionaries here oh god hide from me yeah. and so I, I get to these guys and he, they say the same word they look at me and he says he says you got a project we know about the whole about the russia thing we've heard about that but you got a project that 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 god has put on your heart tell us about it I'm like, I don't even know what the project is. And everybody else seems to know what's going on. I mean, all right. I, and I'm like, I don't have anything to lose. I don't know these guys. I really don't. And so I'm just like, I, here's what it is. Autism, kids, education, doctors. I don't know it. And they all start laughing, which, you know, was logical to me too, right? And I'm like, I would laugh too. And, and he's like, do you know who we are? I said, have no idea. And it's a group of guys, almost all of them get together because they all have special needs kids and are affected by the same thing my son is. And we all just kind of looked at each other and said, God's doing something. I'm not sure what it is yet. And I kid you not, I left that meeting and I said, God, is, it, is that really what you want me to do? Because, <laughs> I mean, I got my spigot. I mean, I just, it's like, I don't see it. I mean, please, so I... I go to this meeting, 
again, Scott Mary invites me to like a closed pastor's meeting in Columbus and there's a famous pastor there. And this is the story I started with the message at the, early, at the start was, yeah, and it's a, it's a, the pastor, he's like 75, just had a hip replacement. And I, I mean, it's, and, and there's, I get it, there's like 150 people there. I'm in like the third row. And, and there's messages where the guy preaches and, and, and you feel like he's speaking just to you. And this one was, he had to sit his body in such a painful way that he's just, he's focused right at me for like 90% of the message. I mean, literally, he's looking right at me. And, and he starts it off and he says, he says, there's some, who here prays every day lately, God what can I do for you? I'm like, oh my. And I'm like, you know, finally, I'm going to, finally, I'm going to get my answer, right? Finally, I'm gonna, here it is. Uh, and, 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 and so I, I was first to raise my hand and I don't know, maybe half the group did so as well. And, uh, and he, the pastor closes his eyes. He said, thank you, Lord, that I heard your voice. Oh, the repentance that we need to do right now. Oh, the unbelief that's in this room right now. I'm like, Scott, let's leave. I mean, I mean, yeah. I mean, obviously, this guy's not from God. I mean, he doesn't know who I am. He doesn't know who they are. Like, we're the brain trust of Christianity in, in, in Columbus. I mean, and he's telling us we've got to repent. He's telling us that we're full of unbelief. I mean, I'm like, man, I've been in Russia 20 years. You want to talk about faith? Like, I, it's right here, right? Oh, be careful, right? And, uh, and he says, oh, the unbelief that's in this room. And, and then he looks at me again, and he says, because unbelief says, God, what can, what can I do for you? Unbelief is hidden in pride sometimes. It says, God, what can I do for you? I am so gifted and so talented. But it's really unbelief. It's really putting it on you. I, here's the question. What can I do for you? It's, it's nothing. I don't care how gifted you are. If your name's not Jesus, you, you, there's nothing you can do for him that has any lasting fruit. No matter how your, what your spiritual gifts, your experiences, your talents, that's, that's ridiculous. But then the other side of it, of true, um, you know, deep-rooted unbelief is, God, who am I? What could I do for you? He's like, oh, the repentance is needed in this room because of the unbelief. Just those that ask the question, God, what could I do for you? Ridiculous foolishness. And now I'm crying. And he says the next words that surely totally changed the trajectory of how I live. Because he says, the question can never be, God, what can I do for you? It has to be, God, what do you want to do? And my answer is yes. God, what is it that you're trying to do? And I don't care what it is, my answer is yes. And, uh, you know, I played football my whole life and I didn't cry, but there was like projectile tears shooting out of my eyes. And I looked over to Scott and I just, I was in tears. I was wailing. I, mean, I was just broken. And I went up to the man at the end of the service and I said, thank you for letting 149 people participate in what God was saying to me today. And he looked at me and he goes, I know. <laughs> I mean, I, you're laughing. At, he looked at me and there was a moment where I just, he's like, I know I was talking to you. And I went home and I, I said that prayer that, that I think he'd been waiting for, for months, years. The blockade that had been around me, uh, I lifted. Because the, the blockade of unbelief was changed by the vision of belief that, that it's not what I can do. It's what he can do through me that what he wanted to do 
Praise God. I got to tell you where we are right now. It's like once we made that decision, like, got it. That I, I, no more. I'm not going to ask that question anymore. All right. He, all right. So my answer is yes. Whatever it is, God, whatever you want to do, my answer is yes. Let's do it. Uh, I, I mean, I, I don't know that I pray that prayer, but more than uh, 45 seconds where, I mean, I found myself in a meeting with the head of, uh, of Nationwide Children's Hospital, uh, talking with their, all their autism doctors, right? And they like, let me put you in contact with all my friends. There isn't somebody that, like the king or uh, queens of autism in, in uh, probably this city that we, I haven't met, that that door hasn't been opened to us as soon as we said yes. The, amen, good, thanks. Um, I'm talking to, I went to the, uh, the diagnosis center, the largest diagnosis center for autism in the United States. You know where it is? They do 2,500 of these uh, uh, diagnoses. I, the word is killing me. I'm going to go back to English class, right? Uh, 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 do you know where it is? It's three miles here from, uh, on Truck Road. The largest center where, uh, for a diagnosis of, of autism is just, I mean, uh, just a few miles away from where I was born. And there are so many resources located here. And, and all of them, uh, the one guy said, I'm talking to him, he says, I'm not going to Russia to teach anybody. I mean, like, I know they're M16s and, you know, or AK-47s in their case, and, and Putin's going to put me in jail. I'm like, I'm not going over there, right? And he throws out this word. He said, but you know what? If you would send some doctors here, I would, I would teach them. I'd show them uh, our system. And I told him about our diagnosis, and he said, I'm like, seven minutes. He goes, ours is four weeks, and he showed it all to me. I, I came in, it was uh, every one day a week for four weeks, and at the end of it, they get like a 50-page packet. They just, I mean, it's all right there scientifically. I, I left that room crying. And I said, God, it's not fair. And I, I heard it kind of back from heaven, no, it's not. And you're the answer. And finally, it went from my, from my head to, to my heart. And he, I mean, I went back to Russia. I'm like, I told my wife, I'm like, all right, we know we're doing this. Uh, you know, uh, let's do it. And we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna send doctors over here. And we're going to send doctors back to us. And, and we're going to do this and that. And my phone rings within a couple of days. And, and it's, a, it's a television producer uh, from a, a, like the third you know, Good Morning America, something like that. And they said, hey, we heard that you're from a friend of a friend of a friend that you're an American and you're living in Russia and we want to do this. We want to do a, a story about you. And uh, can, can we do it? I said, sure, let's do it. And they said, well, are you sure? Because uh, we know you're a missionary and we don't want to get you in trouble. I'm like, no, 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 we'll do it. If they would deport me, they'd deport me, right? And then maybe, you know, um, you know I'm, I'm out of, I can get out of this thing that God sent me into, right? Yeah. <laughs> And that'll, that'll be my answer, right? And I mean, and so faith, belief, right? It's, yeah. And, and so, and, and so I'm like, you don't have to convince me. I'm good. Here's my wife. And that's the real sale that you have to have. And she, she's talking, I can, I can, my wife is, oh, I mean, she's listening. She's like, no way. And I'm like, just say yes. Just say yes. And I look at her, I said, the eyes of the Lord are, are moving to and fro to lift up, to encourage, to strengthen those that are fully dedicated to Him. Just believe. Just believe and just let's watch what God does. And she's like, yes. And then we cleaned our house for 24 hours. And I mean, that's she's real. I mean, I mean, they still clean from that, right? And, and I was just my Russian wife. And so they, they flew in and 24 hours there. They're there with the film crew and the makeup. And, and they're doing the story on us. And they put us on the train, the whole family. And we're three days. We're in Moscow. It's like fast, fast. And then, and they're doing this story. It's, pure propaganda. I mean, I'll show you the English version of this, but it's like they wanted to show a story of like how an American 
married a beautiful Russian wife because the most beautiful women in the world are Russian, of course. And like, here's an American who chose to make his home in, 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 in Russia, of course, because, you know, that's the best place in the world to make a home. And he's smart, right? So here, and I, I got it, but we were able to talk about our relationship so much. And most of the show was built upon, like they said, the first two couples that came out is like, for them, was like lust at first sight. They, you know, threw themselves into that and then they got married. And, and we come out and they're like, so how'd you meet? And like, at church. And like, which church? The, the evangelical church. And I'm a pastor off. And the, the whole place, ooh, it's so funny, right? And I mean, their concept is a zero. And like, so um, how did you fall in love, right? And we said, well, we were just great friends. She was my vet and uh, took care of my dog. And we just loved each other and, and we're great friends. And, and then we just realized, you know what? We're just best friends and, and we love each other uh, so much. And it took us like three minutes to go from friends to, to, uh, to wanting to be married. And we got married. And they're like, come on, come on, tell, give us the juicy stuff, right? Tell us where, how it really happened. They're like, no, we were just friends. And even the, the people in the crowd are like, you've already said you were friends like 10 times. Just tell us what really happened. And for them, it was just a, oh, it just blew their minds. And then the host of the show, he comes out and he says, um, he says, uh, so Katya, my wife, we've heard that your son has been diagnosed with autism. Is that true? Yeah. And, and he says, this just, and we told the story a little bit. He says, I've heard that you are working with kids with autism. And, and I want, if you will let me, I want to do everything I can to, to help you. And I have so many friends in Russia. We're in the dark ages in autism. And, and you've got to continue to do this. And I want to set you up with every friend that I have that is, is working in this. And if you'll say yes, I'll connect you with them. Yeah. And I looked at my wife and I said, the eyes of the Lord are moving to and fro. Looking for somebody to lift up. Amen. And so my, uh, we, we, we go home and they show the, they, sh- they show the show on, uh, on TV right around the time that the World Cup was going on in Russia last summer. And, but they cut all that out. They, all, they made it just about our relationship and a little bit about the church and God. It was, it was beautiful. But uh, nothing about autism. And I thought, you know what? That, I mean, can I be honest with you? This is the word. I said, that dog, he, he tricked us. And I mean, he's not going to follow through with anything that he really said. And with, when the next day after the showing of the, of the video, I get a phone call from like the C- Steven Spielberg of, of Russia, a film producer. And she's like, hey, I'm, uh, I'm in the Baltic uh, Sea right now on, on a boat. But my friend called me and told me about you. And as soon as I get back, get back into Russia, we're going to connect. And I got a lot of friends that I want to put you in contact with. And uh, just want to let you know I'm on the job. I mean, and we'll connect, okay? And off it goes. And uh, two days later, a, a wife of a politician calls me and says, hey, my friend called me and told me about you guys. And, and uh, amen. Uh, she didn't say amen. But uh, all the... We've heard what you're doing and we're doing the same stuff and we're going to, let's get together and make it happen. And we just got on our knees and said, God, apparently you can do that. And here we are today. We have here locally, uh, we've opened up the 501C3 Autism Care Collective together with some of the great guys here at the church. Uh, well, the thing I'm most excited about there is working with the, the university in Saratov. Uh, the, we, a total of the, the, the people that are specialized in ABA, they have this degree, the title is called BCBA, like the specialist in, in ABA. And we have a total, there's like more than, I think I've heard that there's more than a thousand that are in Columbus alone or something like that. that uh, but we have 13 Russian speaking BCBAs in all of Russia, 10 of which live outside of Russia there. You know. And so we have a, we have a course starting um, this year 
in Sarata State Medical University, the, the only course like it in all of, in the, in all of Russia that, uh, to train for them to become BCBAs. And we have 40 people signed up, most of which are Christians right now, uh, to, to, we can, in one year, we can triple the number if, uh, with the, with the strength and power of God. I would have said amen to that. Good job. Good job. So we said, we said, uh, Unbelief is a big deal. Unbelief is a, a big deal to God. But point number three is belief is a bigger deal. Belief is a, is a bigger deal. A one man with faith without the disease of unbelief can bring about deliverance to many. There's just one person in this story that we read today. Just one person of belief. Other people mocked. Other, other people disbelieved. Other, other people focused on uh, what their eyes saw. And the sin of unbelief caused their spiritual eyesight to go from 220 to 2200. But there's one that has 2020 eyesight with God, filled with faith rather than unbelief. And, and he's the one that brings salvation. He's the one, through God, through him, brings about the salvation, brings about the miracle, brings about the betterment to society, brings about the provision that was so lacking. Just one, because why? Because he was filled with belief, knowing the character of God, knowing that God's eyes go to and fro, knowing that God wanted to do something to change the situation, knowing, that, uh, knowing God's promises that he was never going to leave us or forsake us, that, that we are the light of the earth, we are the salt of the earth, and he's going to use, he's going to bring himself glory through us if we will just, say the word with me, believe. I love Mark chapter 5. Jesus was you know, coming to a family. Their daughter has, was sick and then died. And he's with the parents and the people are crying. And he says, she's not sick. She's asleep. And everybody started laughing. And he looked at the parents. And, and uh, in that moment when they heard your child is dead, I'm sure. I, I know the emotions. I can only imagine it. And he looked at them and said the words that I pray that God would imprint on your heart today. And he says, don't be afraid. Just believe. Don't be afraid. Just believe, because if you believe, you'll see the miracle of God. There's a, everybody travels on trains in Russia uh, because the airplanes are made by the Russian factories. And that's, to, I mean, ch- trains and the law of gravity are much better. Um, and, and so I'm, uh, there's a story about it in the a, a late 1800s with, with uh, uh, the kids in Russia go to their grandparents that go to camps a lot. And, and so there are a lot of kids on this one train. And, and uh, the train went up over a hill and it, it broke down because it's probably a Russian train. And, um, and, and so it's, o- it's over the hill. And, and, uh, and so the t- conductor grabs his, his red flags and runs down uh, uh, some ways before the hill because he knows the next train's coming. He's waving his flags and, um, and not paying attention to anything, just waving his flags. And the next train comes and just flies by him. Goes up over the hill. No time to really slow down and just crashes into the train tens of tens of kids are killed and so there's an investigation there's a court case and uh the conductor of the first train is uh, he's on stand and he says he says i was waving my flags it's not my fault i was waving the flags it's the second conductor he never stopped and uh, it's his fault and they said show us show us the flags so he goes to back to his wagon pulls them out and he knows exactly what happens the, the two flags that were next to the window for a decade never being used. He brings them to the court and now they're no longer red. They're, they're sunbathed yellow. And he's waving yellow flags instead of red. 
Oh, that God would cure us of our unbelief, of our lack of belief that used to be hot red, that at one time believed that God would use us to, to change our society, to change our lost ones, to change, to, to bring salvation to those around us, to bring betterment to the, to the downtrodden around us. Oh, that God would, would heal us, that, would, that we would repent before Him now of our, of our unbelief, that our, our red flags of faith slowly have faded because of the speed of life, because of our lost focus. I pray my deepest prayer is those words would hit you today. Don't be afraid. Just believe. Oh, that, God, that you would believe that, that perhaps you would get up in the morning every day for the rest of your days and say, God, I know that your eyes go throughout the world looking for someone that, that you can lift up and strengthen somebody fully dedicated to you, full of faith, and that you would say to you, look up, uh, God, right here at my address, look down at me. It's me. Whatever you're trying to do in this world, whatever you're trying to do through me, whatever you're trying to do through my home group, through my ministry, through this church, God, help us. Uh, by the power of God, would you do it through us? If you're looking for faith, would it be found in you, in your ministry, in your home group, and in this church? By the power of God. What I know is this. What Elisha knows is that one man can make an effect. One man will just believe and brings that salvation and brings that betterment to the people around. Oh, that I could pray for you right now. Maybe the worship team will come up. Father, uh, I bless you. We love you. We really do. God, I pray, Father, right now uh, for, for every individual here, for myself, that you will heal us of our unbelief. That God, that perhaps maybe once again, that the, the dreams that you put in us or even the, perhaps the, the plans that you had for us, that we have, uh, because of our maybe business or we've lost our focus or we got wrapped up into the things that, that, that changed our, our faith from 20 to 20 to 2200 or worse, Father. God, we repent of them right now. And we ask you that question again. What is it that you want us to do? Open our eyes to be able to see, to have faith, to believe that you want to use us. You want to work through us, God. You want to bring your glory. You want to improve the lives of the people around us. You want to bring salvation to this place. God, give us the faith to ask the question and get in it, to say, God, what do you want to do through us? And then, what do you want to do in this land? And then give us the faith to answer and say, yes, whatever it is that you want, my answer is yes. In Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to this week's sermon audio. If you're loving Quest Podcast, let us know on Facebook or Twitter by using the hashtag GoToQuest. For more information on Quest, who we are, and what God is doing here, or if you would like to help support Quest financially, please visit us at gotoquest.org. That's G-O-T-O-Quest.org. Thanks for listening.